When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, White Sox fans, it is Sox Populi podcast number 170, the 170 milestone. We've hit it. Uh, This is our traditional podcast where we discuss the Hall of Fame ballot. Uh, We've done these probably for... I don't know, forever. It seems like every year we do one. Sometimes we have, sometimes it's one-on-one. And this time we have a group of four. Myself, your genial and unprepared host, uh, Malachi Hayes, returning champion. Dante Jones, also returning with slightly more preparedness and notes. Also clean shaven. Sweet. And super Joseph Reese's, uh, warm like me. Not into the Chicago land area, so he's going to be hot. His his opinions are going to be hot. They're going to be popping uh, straight off. Uh, it appears uh, we are mm, twenty four hours, forty eight hours. I'm not sure when I put it up, but uh, we have a week of voting on Southside Sox. Appears we have about a hundred voters so far, which I think already makes it perhaps a healthier vote than last year. Just a couple days in. Uh, it appears the Southside Sox might actually be pushing forward more than just Mark Burley is a candidate to enshrine this year. So well done, everyone, so far. That's not an excuse for hundreds of you out there to start voting no on all the people who should be in the Hall of Fame, which is actually a big batch. We'll we'll discuss that uh, during this podcast, of course. And in the real voting, at least according to the ballot tracker, uh, I think we're at, it was about 40% when I published our Hall of Fame ballot. I think we're up to about 43% of the voters have their ballots in known and public and it's lining up for four uh billy wagner at about 79 percent. i think that puts him sort of on the cusp because i think there's always a uh a the, the known ballots are i think generally traditionally more generous uh so i think there's always a little bit of a pullback so he might really be on the cusp of the hall of fame but otherwise it does appear that adrian beltray come on no shock there uh joe mauer and todd helton might also uh, perhaps also join in that class, or if Wagner's not on, still a trio of candidates wouldn't uh, be too bad at all. Uh, okay, so with my esteemed panel here, I guess let's just, um, I guess let's kick it off, talk about some of the obvious ones. I don't even know if we need to talk about Adrian Beltre, but I mean, among this this um, uh, quadrant of, you know, including Billy Wagner, who is I guess, according to me, a controversial candidate, but I mean, there's really three no-brainers here. Uh, anything about the notion that it seems like maybe at least it seems like a given we will get three in this year uh, that surprising or you, you finally can be proud of the BBWAA uh, thoughts on sort of I don't want to call them shoe-ins but the, the shoe-ins so far I mean 
if if Adrian Beltre is not a Hall of Famer, then who is? I'm I'm glad we can mostly mostly agree on that at the very least. And you know, I'm I'm happy that Maurer seems to be getting the yeah. requisite support. You know, one of my biggest gripes with War as a stat, whichever one you choose, is that it really uh, and all of our defensive stats actually really just doesn't value catching properly. It's just like several tiers above other positions in terms of difficulty. Uh, on the mental side of it, he was one of the best. Uh, he was for a while, you know, while he was healthy, one of the most gifted hitters you've ever seen, regardless of position. And, uh, you know, his peak was short. Injuries kind of, you know, moved him to first base. And um, I guess this is the the pro Joe Maurer segment at this point. But I'm <laughs> glad that he's uh, – I, I had kind of thought he would be a little bit controversial because of the lack of counting stats, like the relatively short peak and career. Uh, but again, that's a dude who, if you want you that, that's a hall of famer. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Maliki. Now am I, am I wrong going even into this very ballot here? I mean, this is his first ballot. I mean, the fact that he is seeming like, like a first year shoeing, I mean, that's pretty shocking. I mean, there's a lot of debate about like uh, goofy people, but I mean, whether he even was a hall of famer, the idea that in year one, I mean, this is a progressive move by a, a, a voting block that, hasn't always been very progressive. I mean, are you a little surprised at the overwhelming support he got? Yeah, it's it's pretty surprising. I think some of it might stem from the fact that there haven't been a lot. There's not a lot of catchers in yeah. the Hall of Fame. There's a yeah. dearth of catchers in the Hall of Fame. And I think most of these guys can look at it and said, okay, he was the clear-cut best catcher in baseball for four or five years. We all remember that pretty well. Uh, he was special enough as a player that I could mm -hmm. see – some, you know, voters who otherwise might be a little more, you know, uh, kind of say, okay, like th this guy was the best of the best. We know it. You know it. Yeah. I know it. Everyone knows it, yeah. as someone might say. Uh, Joe, uh, Dante, this 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 trio of sort of uh, shoo-ins uh, makes sense to you? Are those th three guys, you know, pretty much no-brainer Hall of Famers uh, to you or anything controversial in there? I don't think there's anything controversial, really. Um, yeah, I, I definitely think that those are pretty easy decisions for me personally. Uh, and yeah, hope that the deserving players will be elected early on. But um, yeah, I don't have too much to add with regards to those ones. Dante, what you got? Yeah, same here, because I'm just like, I've always been more of a big hall guy anyway than mm -hmm. some people. And like, you just you sit there and watch these three people, all three players that I watched a pretty good amount of their career, you know, growing up. And it's like, as Maliki said, they're not shoe-ins. I don't know why we even have a Hall of Fame at this point. <laughs> specifically, like specifically Adrian Beltre, like the Hall of Fame itself annoys me, and we can get into that later about the whole <laughs> one gets hundred percent really thing. Mm -hmm. But like that's a, like him and he's a like hundred percent should be in. I know Todd Helton has like he'll probably be the controversial one out of them because of the coolest field tax, as I call mm -hmm. it. Because people will always say, Well, you had better stats because you played there. And it's like, yeah, but also good is good. Like you still mm -hmm. have to have the eye to hit that well and play that mm -hmm. well. And so, his splits aren't crazy either. So it's not like yeah. I mean, it's it's not that outrageous like that he's cheating his way in because he played in the the thin air or whatever the guy could hit exactly. uh, on, on Southside Sox. Shockingly, uh, you know, you could have made a case. Well, you could have made a case from year one, could have made a case that Todd Helton should have been in the hall of fame last year. He didn't get in with the, with the writers. He definitely did not get in at Southside Sox. 
But figure this, again, about 100 ballots in on our site, Todd Helton polling at 79%, which is good. I mean, great. Get him in. Adrian Beltre, <laughs> I don't know what the bias is. Uh, 78%. Okay, go figure. I mean, I guess it's like, don't let people in the first year. But then also Joe Mauer right on the cusp there, uh, 75%. But, I, you know, at this point, you know, uh, whoever willing, um, that could be three candidates right there. With, of course, the shoe in Mark Burley. We'll talk about Mark Burley probably in the second half of this, which is probably what everyone wants to hear about and talk about. What more can we say? But we'll do that in the second half. Um Maliki, I would say the only reason I would want Joe Maurer to wait is because having, of course, we've all watched them, but even, you know, covering those games and having to sit through endless, countless walks in the mound, back and forth, chats, like it seemed like a dozen a game. Just because of that, though I think he's a shoe-in Hall of Famer, I would make him maybe wait a year just because I'm so anno still annoyed by that. I think it's funny how MLB – instituted the mound visit rule and tried to they tried to act like it was a pace of play thing instead of like a group of people being very specifically annoyed with joe mauer specifically <laughs> but yeah boy he lives in our heads he's he he was, That's true. He was the best of the best it's I true mean, yeah right? it's called strategy guys you know you gotta have 15 conversations right back you don't have these all these conversations after every few pictures you don't know how your picture's feeling you can't get the vibes off off of them. Control the pace. Exactly. He just wasn't being very Minnesota nice when he was just trying to. Unless, how much gamesmanship do you need to play against the White Sox? For God's sake, come on! You could have cut a few short. You didn't. You didn't need the the full mental game. I mean, to be fair, how many rings does Joe Mauer have? Oh, how many rings okay. did the White Sox win during his career? Oh, wow! All right. Haymaker, Dante. Okay. All right. Hey, like I said, it's the only way we dunk on him because, yeah, he is like, if he was a White Sox, he would probably be what, the <laughs> best or second best catcher in White Sox history? Yeah. Depending on how you feel about Carlson Fisk. I'm not going to go that far personally, but, you know, I let people say what they say. Yeah. Okay. Well, I feel, but he can be in first ballot then. Now that you reminded me of all uh, that, Dante. Uh, let's talk about uh, a couple. <laughs> the fun part. Let's talk about uh, before we break and talk about other candidates, maybe more minor candidates. Let's talk about a couple in the real vote. You know, again, because we have the Southside Sox vote, which often does mirror the the writers pretty well. I'm not sure you want to mirror the writers too closely because they're wacko weirdos, people who don't necessarily pay attention to baseball. Hey, go figure. They got a vote. I don't. Malachi doesn't. Dante doesn't. Super Joe doesn't. I don't know. That's not fair. That's poor priorities. Uh, but in the, at least uh, according to uh, the Hall of Fame tracker, uh, again, um, Ryan uh, Thibodeau. Thibodeau? I think it's Thibodeau. Ryan Thibodeau is an incredible site to sort of revolutionize the whole notion of voting and the push now to make really all ballots uh, public. Yeah, pretty cool initiative there, Ryan. But according to the site, of course, that's what we're leaning on here. Uh, there are two real well, I guess you could even say three true cusp candidates. Uh, uh, Billy Wagner right now polling uh, as if he will make it. And again, anybody can correct me here. I, I do think there is traditionally a bounce back. So if Wagner's polling at 80, I don't know if that means in reality you can track him like to, I know this isn't tried and true, super true math, but you know, you're going to lose at least a few points. I don't think you, I don't think you ever go up. I don't know. Uh, he's pushing 80. Gary Sheffield on his last year in the ballot. And we got to talk about Gary because he's a, you know, he's a controversial candidate, I guess. Um, 
just shy of 75, and they will not round him up. We know that from Nelly Fox, Greg Biggio. He will not be rounded up if he was to get 74.7, which he's at in the uh, the public ballot so far, 43% of which are known. Uh, and then Andrew Jones, who still has time, and it does seem like the trend lines have him eventually being in the Hall of Fame. Uh, right now, the public tracking at 71.7. Let's chat about those three, because uh, certainly w- Wagner and Jones seem like it's only a matter of time before they're in. Sheffield, this is his shot. And however, the Veterans Committee, we know all that gamesmanship and, and politics when it comes to Veterans Committees. Uh, it's definitely a shoe in that the first time he's on some <laughs> just retired uh, uh, Veterans Committee that he would get in either. So he may end up having a long wait if he doesn't make it this year. And it looks like he's going to end up uh, falling short. Uh, those three players, uh, thoughts on them? I mean, for me, like, like when I did my voting on a site, specifically Sheffield, I was like, huh. last year, I think he deserves to get in, but also steroid accusations, but also played in an era where they kind of just were very lax about it, which is going to be my, like, which is a little different than my Rodriguez explanation, which is like Alex played during the era yeah. where we knew that yeah. if you're doing steroids, you have done wrong, but mm-hmm. also like, Numbers wise, he's like one of the best ever versus Sheffield is a very good player that definitely got helped by steroids. So it's just a weird gray area. Andrew Jones is kind of a character clause guy, kind of. If I remember, he has a few incidents at baseball. Yeah. So that can always hurt. And like, you know, depending on how you feel about things like that, like I voted for him, but also with a He's not going to make it in asterisk type thing because yeah. I don't think he's going to get in this time. Yeah. Billy Wagner, I'm on the side the closers matter, but I don't know how much I care about. Like, his thing, I care about closers. It's the middle relievers that I'm just like, eh, whatever, because I, <laughs> like, I like my pitchers going seven plus. And I figure a setup guy and a closer, most of the time, sure. don't ask how the White Sox messed it up with Kimbrough and Liam Hendricks. But most of the time, the setup guy and a closer can both, you know, close mm-hmm. a game out. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I still think Billy Wagner should get in, though. Okay. I, just, I enjoyed watching him. He was one of the best at his position, at what he did. And over the years, we've seen baseball get more and more specialized. So yeah. it's kind of like the closer is different from when he closed versus now even. Mm-hmm. We see more closers, more and more. They want people to go get six outs instead of three mm-hmm. outs and things like that. Mm-hmm. So I think just for the level of expertise at his specific job and specific mm-hmm. role, I think he should get in. I, I, uh, I'll uh, when Malik comes back, maybe I'll, I'll hash my thoughts out a little bit more. I have um, l- less respect for, it, but I will say props to Billy Wagner. I did not realize this in his very final season. I think it was 38, 39. He had one of his best seasons. I mean, he retired sort of at the top of his game. I hadn't really realized that, you know, players generally do, you know, they sort of wind down. You're not usually a, a two, three war player, particularly closer uh, in your final year. And he was, but let's toss it to Joe uh, for, okay. I got to put you on the spot because Dante's committed Joe. First off, uh, before you get to thoughts about the three sort of cusp guys, uh, are you a thumbs up or thumbs down Billy Wagner voter? I'm a thumbs up. All right. Okay. I, I can be a minority of one here. Uh, Joe, your thoughts about uh, Chef, uh, you know, you know those guys I mentioned. Yes. Um, so, yeah. 
Yeah, um, Wagner, I feel like he's... I have a little bit of a lower threshold with regards to war for relievers since they're just not on the field nearly as much. And sure. I feel like Wagner is just barely acceptable. It's close, okay. but um, I, I think... I think he gets there. Like he had a long enough run of dominance out of the bullpen that I, I was, I'm barely convinced enough that he should be in, okay. but yeah, I, I do think he clears the bar that I have. And I think I'm leaning, I would lean toward being slightly more of a bigger hall kind of voter. Um, and let's see, Sheffield definitely has the numbers to get in. I personally not very fond of, you know, people with steroid accusations getting in. Um, it's, he definitely had had the talent. It's just, yeah, it, it's a little bit of a tricky one because of the era, yeah. of course. But yeah. Um, yeah, I wouldn't quite vote for him due to the, um, I just don't really think that's like for, given that it's something that should be like very glorified and, and I yeah, I think there's a lot of hesitation that I have personally. Yeah, um, yeah that's fair. Yeah, I will um, say, if you don't mind, um, yeah. something me and my brother have talked about back like years ago was maybe a separate wing of Hall of Fame for the steroids <laughs> people. But then it's like, if you got to make a separate ring, wing for them, then what's the point? It's like, you put an asterisk, it's like, what's the point? We all know then. So it's like, are you really honoring them? And like, and like we said, there's a difference between the eras of steroids use. Mm-hmm. The people that use steroids in the 90s and early 2000s versus the people that use steroids post-mixture mm-hmm. report where everybody knows they've sure. been cracked down on. Yeah, A-Rod and uh, uh, Manny and you know probably others, but uh, yeah, certainly. Um, like, man, like, don't, like I said, A-Rod gets, gets, he's in a circle level talent vote for <laughs> me and that's it. Yeah. Yeah, he decided just push it and push it and push it. Uh, Joe, thoughts on uh, Andrew? Because again, as Santi pointed out, there's some <laughs> off-field you know, characters who's clearly on-field. Uh, he rallied enough, I think, probably to to qualify as a Hall of Famer. But um, when you take on the character issue, it's it's certainly not a no-brainer. Where do you where do you stand with uh, Andrew? I would vote yes on Jones. It, he was a fantastic defender in center field, which isn't that easy of a position to defend. Mm-hmm. Um, won 10 gold gloves there which is a very large amount and um also see 434 home runs um uh yeah he he had a career ops of well above um 800 and he um played for a very long time like so like yeah there there's a lot that's going for him i i personally think he he clears the bar to get him well, and Joe bearing the lead, he he played a season for the White Sox. I mean, come on, True. if that doesn't True. just tip it over, geez, please, <laughs> come on, Joe Mauer can't. Joe Mauer don't have that. Uh, Maliki, your thoughts on um, sort of these three cusp uh, type candidates: uh, Andrew Jones and Gary Sheffield, and our favorite Billy Wagner. Yeah, all interesting cases for for different reasons. Um, I mean, on, on talent and stats, I, I think Andrew Jones yeah. is a Hall of Famer. Uh, and in addition to the stats themselves, I think you got to give someone credit for being uh, pretty much hands down the best defensive outfielder of, of the decade. And he did it pretty much all before he was 30. However, uh, in, in my eyes, um, you know, not we're not talking about domestic abuse allegations. We are talking about guilty pleas to me. 
that is simply disqualifying. So it's uh, not not particularly a question for me. You know, you can people can interpret the character clause in any way they wish. Uh, that is, you know, simply my my judgment towards it. Uh, Sheffield, again, you know, context aside clear-cut Hall of Famer. You know, 500 home runs and he struck, he walked as much as he struck out. He was an incredible hitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, he would probably, I mean, the only reason I think that he's still hanging around this long is probably because he, you know, like Roberto Alomar, like many before them, you know, got on the wrong side of the press, was known as uh, mm-hmm. not the greatest clubhouse guy. You know, he kind of played for half the league for a reason. Yeah, um, His son is a shithead. <laughs> but <laughs> it really, I, I will... So it really depends on how you feel about the the steroid question with the Hall of Fame. And at this point, as long as you're consistent, I don't particularly care. Some I, I don't have a vote, so you know what? Sometimes I feel like fuck it, let him let him in. Yeah. I don't care. Sometimes I still feel like you know what? No. Yeah. I, I personally don't really buy the the kind of you know bifurcating it between when it was actually explicitly codified in the CBA and before then, because, you know, it, it might not have been in the CBA, but, you know, they were still federally illegal. They were very mm-hmm. illegal drugs. You know, I'm pretty sure, I don't know if cocaine is explicitly barred in the CBA. I don't know if fucking DMT is explicitly barred in the CTA, CBA, but you would generally assume because sure. they are, you know how it goes, right? So I, I personally... That whole argument doesn't really hold hold any sway with me. They knew that they, what they were doing was yeah. in terms of, I, I don't know if even unethical is the right word because that almost lends it a kind of gravitas that I don't yeah. even want to. I mean, um, so like, so I don't really so you know I I could go either way on that, but he was a Hall of Fame talent. So if that's your if if you know yes steroids mm-hmm. is your view, he's a Hall of Famer. I, I tend to lean towards no most days, but. I've excellent. And, uh, you know, and Billy, Billy Wagner just on a per inning per game runs allowed basis uh, is probably the best reliever ever this side of Mariano Rivera. Like, you know, I generally don't care that much about saves or closers. I have a really high bar for closers. Uh, but in terms of, you know, his ERA plus 187, that means over the course of his career, his ERA was 87 uh, percent above average for his entire career. The only pitcher to beat that with as many innings as Mariano Rivera. Uh, I think if you're going to put Mo in, obviously, if you're going to put Trevor yeah. Hoffman in, if you're going to put Lee Smith in, yeah. you know, I think if oh, Wagner, yeah. if Wagner puts up his 400 saves for like one team or two teams, instead of kind of taking a tour around the league, then it's not even a question. He's in without even a second thought. Trevor Hoffman was a first ballot Hall of Famer, you know, or mm-hmm. second or third, something like that. So mm-hmm. Wagner's not, it's not, not a question for me. I'm not even really looking at war. It's just, just, you know, 15 years and he had an ERA above three, one time. Um, best reliever in the game, top five reliever for 15 straight years, more or less. That's, you know, that's an easy yes for me. Okay. That's a compelling enough case. Dante, you had a point you want to jump in on? Uh, steroids or say, something or other? Yeah, I was just going to say with the steroids thing, like I do agree with the whole be consistent with it specifically because of like just, you know, if you're not consistent, then what are your values and morals? And yeah, like it's such a great area of things, specifically with the, legality of it in baseball the fact that the league turned a blind eye to it but as Malachi said morally it was wrong and them like as a wrestling fan steroids <laughs> mess your body up yeah steroids are um not something you should be indulging in often if ever like those are used for other things for other medical purposes other than making healthy bodies stronger and bigger so like it's just such a great area i do kind of go back and forth with like 
you know, how I feel about certain people's use of steroids, like the Barry Bonds versus the Rodriguez's and Ramirez's. But, like, it's just it's so much. Like, and like he said, ethics or not, it's just like a, it's a big conversation to have. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, then you, you can even drill down and say, okay, you've got a Sheffield who denies, oh, I didn't know what I was using. Um, you know, most, most guys fall in that category, right? I mean, not too many are just like, yeah, or even our mom about it. There are certainly some who have chosen not to speak of. Sammy Sosa pretty famously, you know, forgot how, don't want to really kick him in the crotch here, but did sort of forget how to speak English uh, or understand English when he was at least being grilled by Congress. So, uh, you know, that's another, another dimension to this can, you know, it can either annoy you and push you further away or, I don't know, maybe make you just sort of wash your hands of and say, if it wasn't important enough to officially uh, be banned. I mean, I don't know how I feel. I certainly had a lot more of an anti-opinion. And then I realized, you know, even some of these players did not seem to really care. And I don't mean the users, just in the game um, at the time. Um, I think, you know, Paul Canerco famously sort of shrugged his shoulders about it. Not like it was okay, but, you know, the idea of, of I mean, I understand some of these guys are your teammates. You know, these are your peers. Uh, maybe it's a MLBPA type of thing, like, you know, don't, you know, don't ever shackle us or, or in any way. But uh, it made me a little bit, made it a little more challenging for me to care too much about it because, you know, who am I? I'm not even a player. The players don't care if, if, if ownership clearly didn't care. I mean, I'm, I'm really sure how to fall on it all i am still gonna fall anti billy wagner although maliki makes a very compelling case and and dante and joe your support does move me uh at least not this quickly um i could see him make, but but you know again lee smith bruce Souter, these rich gossage these guys are in the hall of fame um so i mean i might have to just get over my anti-closer bias but you know they pitch an inning every couple few games. I just don't see the same sort of impact as true Hall of Famers. Sorry, DHs. Sorry, part-time guys. Sorry, Jaws superstars who maybe didn't have a long career. I'm much more biased towards sticking around and really contributing in the majors for a long period of time. We're going to take a break. We're going to talk about a few other candidates, including uh, the one closest to all of our hearts who is experiencing a distressing, I believe a distressing trend I guess I'll double check, but distressing trend on his ballot and may not last much longer. Stick with us for about a minute. We'll be back to wind up our Hall of Fame and, and, and you know, and exert all our undue bias on those of you who haven't uh, haven't voted yet on Southside Sox uh, in about a minute. Hey, White Sox fans, my name is Brett Valentini. I'm hosting Sox Pop podcast number 170. It is once again, it's come around again. We uh, s uh, spin around the sun, and here we go. We all just, uh, show, uh, Joe's alarm clock rings. He says, oh, man, it's, a, it's the Hall of Fame podcast. I can't miss that. Dante's alarm clock rings. says, okay, let me, let me uh, uh, shave real clean, and let's do this Hall of Fame podcast. And Malachi says, oh, Brett's going to start caterwauling about Billy Wagner again, so I better show up and do this Hall of Fame podcast. So we're all here talking about the ballots. So let's get right to it because... <laughs> Mark Burley was voted to the Hall of Fame last year on Southside Sox. I want to say with more of a plurality than seven. Right now, I think he's 76 or something. He's sort of on the cusp, even at Southside Sox. This is a 
well, that person had a distressing trend because as much as we all love Mark Burley, I'm not sure he's necessarily a third or fourth year Hall of Famer. Although if he's a Hall of Famer, he should just be, everybody should just be voted in the first year. They're eligible, right? Okay, there's drama and politics, and apparently there's still you can only vote for 10 guys at once, and there's clearly more than 10 legitimate candidates on anybody's ballot. If you don't think that, come on. Be a little bit more generous. Open up your hall a little bit more. It doesn't have to be a big hall, just a little bigger hall. Come on, there's at least 10 candidates on any of these ballots, probably for the last decade plus, uh, after all the big steroid clog and all that. Uh, but Mark Burley is not polling very well in, uh, in reality. He, I believe, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe he is down. At this point, he might not even make it to the next ballot. The public ballot with, again, 43% of ballots in, so that's still 57% out there. Who knows? They're probably not going to be generous to Mark Burley. He's polling at only 6.6%, which I believe is down from his previous year, if not years. Uh, so I would say Mark Burley appears to be in danger of falling off this ballot maybe as soon as this year. Thoughts on Mark Burley? I think we're probably unanimous that Mark Burley has an extremely strong case. I certainly believe he should be in the Hall of Fame. The fact that he might fall off the ballot is just not a good thing, um, in my eyes. Uh, thoughts on Mark? Yeah, to, to your point earlier um, about the public ballot tracking, I think most of the time, like the not not everybody falls back mm. historically. I think I think it has more to do with the character of the voters. I think there's been a trend in the past where the types of voters who are actually sharing their ballots proactively yeah. and publicly. Uh, and who are just kind of aware of this tracking's yeah. existence tend to skew yeah. more younger, more big hall. Uh, so if anything, Burley is the kind of pitcher who might actually be a little more popular, I think, amongst the more old school crowd that's probably not as likely to publicly share their, their ballot or be online or be aware of any of this, yeah. uh, any You're of right. this existing. So um, yeah, we, we all have our feelings about Mark, obviously. Um, what's it? Is it 5% to stay, stay on the ballot or is it 10%? Yes, 5%. It's 5%. It's, uh, you know, there's a lot of, like you said, a lot of very strong candidates this year. I think uh, the best, for, from our perspective, you know, the best reason to hope that all these kind of fringe guys wind up getting in is that you clear a little space and maybe open up a few extra votes for Mark to hang around and maybe yeah, get him into true. that kind of, you know, down the line, that kind of respectable 20, 30, 40 percent territory where, you know, maybe you get another look from the, one of the millions of, mm -hmm. you know, poo-poo committees down the line. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. No, and I would have thought in, in contrast to Maurer, I would have thought I, I sort of got a sense. I don't think it was just wishful thinking. I got a sense that there was maybe a, a little bit of, OK, let's look a little bit closer at this guy. I really thought there was a little bit of positive momentum for him. So to see him at 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 six point six uh, at a time now. Uh, where probably there might be less discrepancy, you know, among public and, and private ballots. So we may not see much variance going forward. And I mean, not at all at some point, because they're all going to be public. Um, it's sort of dis distressing. Uh, Joe, Dante, you're feeling uh, surprised at the fact that you might be taking a little bit of a downturn? I'm not surprised necessarily, because as I figure he's probably not going to make it in I'm just happy that he's gotten time to be discussed and people to appreciate his career. And I'm looking at his numbers right now, and it's funny to me. If Mark Burley came along 10 years later, Mark Burley is probably, like, loved the MLB for being able to work as quick as he was able to work. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> like, with the pitch clock, Mark Burley might have innings. To, I mean, might have games that are, like, sub-145. Hmm. So, you know, 
I think that's something that could be appreciated. You didn't have any of your traditional like things that people would look for to say, oh, that's my guy I love, but he was consistent. He played, he picks regularly. He picks deep into games whenever he could. The guy has a perfect game and a no hitter. Like, I, if I was a vote, I would vote for him every single year just simply off the fact that he was able to do all that. And also, again, I'm a big call slash use all 10 of your votes, guys. Mm-hmm. So, like, I would easily be like, okay, Mark Burley, I'll use a vote on him. Yeah, a couple, couple points before I get to Joe. I see, like, what I consider to be progressive voters, and I still see their ballots. It's like eight or nine guys. I think, hold on, wait, these are guys who I thought were on my side, and they're still not using their 10. And I, I really don't really get that part. Another thing about Burley – <laughs> In the pitch clock era, he'd be the one guy you could just say, "All right, what? Just shut it off. You do not need it." When Mark Burley's out, just let's save the electricity. Let's shut off. For the other guys, he's opposing. Yeah, probably got to turn him back on. But uh, yeah, <laughs> just put a tarp over if when Burley's out there, it just would not come into play. Uh, uh, Joe, your your thoughts about uh, Burley and, and how he's trending? Yeah, I'm definitely surprised with how poorly the, the his numbers are looking at this point. But, I mean, this seems a little bit like deja vu, like from last year. Um, kind of felt like there was a bit of a scare hmm. um, as far as whether or not he would return in, and for the next year and make it to the 5% thresholds. Um, definitely thought he would be trending like a little bit gradually in the right direction. Uh, re- realistically, I didn't think he'd he'd ever get elected by the... BBWAA, um, 75% of the votes. Um, didn't really think that was ever a realistic possibility. Um, but yeah, he would absolutely have my votes. Um, and um, yeah, I hope that there's a little bit of a turnaround. And if I were to predict for what it's worth, I, I do think that he probably will still survive and make it to the 5% cutoff um, for for this year okay we clear out some of those other you know big flashy names and who knows maybe maybe some of those progressive voters who say they're going to use all 10 of their spots will actually uh give a little love to mark burley um a trend is a similar trend because he's definitely down to the point where geez maybe mercifully he will fall off the ballot maybe maybe in one more cycle and that's omar viscal omar viscal polling now below 11%. And I'm quite certain that's as bad as he's done. It seems a little, I mean, I guess this only comes around once a year. So you can't say like, oh, wow, you know, words finally getting out about the guy, Uh, especially when there was that sort of rehab reputation scrub from Nightingale sort of as voting sort of got rolling. But uh, I mean, I guess if we're going to be hurt by a trend that might knock Burley off the ballot or at least make it awfully scary, at least we can be encouraged by the fact that um, there's a little bit of wising up about, you know, character clause slash, let's face it, merit. I mean, you know, great defensive shortstops don't fall off of trees, but Omar Vizquel's candidacy was a toss up. (laughs) Before he ever joined the White Sox organization, Frank, frankly, before he was ever married. Um, so I don't actually, I don't know how young he was married the first time, but he does not seem to be a very good spouse, a very kind spouse. But, uh, is, is that, you know, sort of like in, in, um, in tandem with Burley here, maybe encouraging that, you know, there's actually some, a little bit of justice in this, you know, I know hall of fame voting in general is a popularity contest and it's foolish, but some justice in that Omar seems to be sinking off the ballot. 
honestly, I'm a little shocked by like the fact that he's going off because there's so many older people that are thinking, well, skill wise, I think he was still a Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. And honestly, like you said, I don't think he was like numbers wise. The man is like the most advanced version of Andrewton Simmons. Do any of us think that Andrewton Simmons is a Hall of Famer? Probably not. You know, great defensive shortstop. Like you said, they don't fall off of trees. We know that for sure as Chicago. But, I mean, before you get to the character clause stuff, it was shaky. With the character clause stuff, it's just a no for me. Like, yeah. I just, I probably, like, there are people on the ballot that would give votes to him, I mean, to before him anyway, before. I knew about all of that. And now that I know about all that, it's just a flat out no. Yeah. How about the fact that um, two pitchers, I mean, both Southpaws, two pitchers seem to be pretty similar. Of course, one pitches in New York, and that changes things, of course. But also, one has steroid use on his record. Uh, Andy uh, Pettit seems to be holding steady. I don't think he's necessarily moving up. Again, maybe it would have been helpful for me to have all the traditional votes year after year after year. Uh, but he's definitely a much in a much healthier place. I saw him and Burley being a lot closer, it seems like, even just as, as recently as last ballot. And now um, it doesn't seem like Pettit's really falling much. Um, is that just simply a New York effect? Because he's also got steroid ding on his record. So... What gives with that? Yeah, New York. I mean, New they're York. the same. Okay. They're 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 the same picture. Like <laughs> the 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 yes Pettit no Burley voter is like you know they're like the people who vote for one party in the presidential election and the other in the <laughs> in the uh, in the senator. You know, I don't even know how that makes sense, but it's 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 one I'm of my it's, 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 it's one of my favorite inconsistencies now of, of yeah. all fame voters is yeah. the Pettit yes Burley no. Yeah. And before you have to uh, jump away, Malachi, I'm gonna I want to give you a chance to speak on the fact that uh, Bobby Abreu seems to just not get any love whatsoever, and it makes no sense to me at all. What is going on with that? It was, so, do you remember? Does anyone remember offhand how Scott Rowland did last year with our voters? Was he popular? Because popular enough, but yeah, he didn't make it. But no, you know, Scott Scott Rowland. Bobby Abreu, I think, is what Scott, people thought Scott mm. Rowland was, or people mm. think Scott Rowland was. They're mm. in, you know, kind of similar in retrospect, both being these, you know, kind of all-star caliber players during their day, but who, in, in retrospect, it seems like they weren't quite appreciated as much. Uh, but whereas a lot of, you know, Rowland's value, he has a nice-looking war um, because of his glove, usually, and I personally have a lot of bones to pick with advanced defensive metrics. I don't trust him all that much. Abreu... Abreu was just far better of a hitter than he was ever really given credit for mm-hmm. at the time. Uh, you know, I have, a, I have a list up somewhere where, you know, this is a little bit like that um, kind of, you know, the ESPN uh, <sighs> stat cherry picking, you know, type type stuff. But yeah. the list of players with, I think it's, what is it? Um, yeah, 250 home runs. 500 doubles and 400 stolen bases. Like, you know, that's cherry picking a little bit. Those are pretty big round numbers though. Uh, it's four players. It's Ricky Henderson, Barry Bonds, Craig Biggio, and Bobby Abreu. Uh, and you can, you know, take some of those numbers down a little bit and then maybe you get some more like, you know, non hall of fame guys filtering in. Uh, but there just weren't that many players who 
could do the things that he did and who did them for a 10, 15 right. year period of time. I think he was hurt a bit by, you know, he was rarely the best player on his team. Um, you know, he played for some good Phillies teams, some good Yankees teams, some very good Cardinals teams. You know, he shared an outfield with, with Vlad Guerrero. Uh, but I think you look at, he's really a guy where you look at the body of work with the bat and you say, oh, you know, that's a guy who, if he was playing now, yeah, he's probably getting a $200 million contract. Mm-hmm. So, 400 stolen bases. I mean, come on. I, and I mean, listen, I, you know this stuff. All three you know this stuff better than I do. But I mean, I, I might even just throw out Carlos Beltran. I mean, he's polling 66%. He seems now to be washed. He is oh. on his way. He's going to be there. Those guys seem like they're like in the same universe. And and Abreu is just, he's basically steady at eighteen percent or so. Yeah, Beltran and Beltran is. Or, or I'm sorry, go. I cut you no, off. no, no. And then Beltran's shooting up. Yeah, no. It's in Abreu is that's the thing. Abreu is far far closer to Beltran than anybody anybody realizes. Beltran would be a shoe in if it wasn't for you know the the obvious right. cheating allegations. Which you know for me, I'm, I'm ambiguous on steroids. I'm not particularly ambiguous on that. If you don't have a problem with Gaylord Perry in the Hall of Fame, then you can't have a problem with Carlos Beltran or Jose Altuve in the Hall of Fame. It is that simple. But uh, what should he just cute? But Abreu, Abreu should be up there in that conversation for sure. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. What a what a what a shame. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I, I know I just wanted to get Malachi's thoughts on Abreu because I know he's brought that up before, and I'm I'm just as dumbfounded. But um, cherry picking the ballot, um, Dante, Joe, anything else that you're you're seeing that's um, troublesome anyway? Even on Southside Sox, uh, Carlos Beltran, forty-seven percent polling, Bobby Abreu, eighteen percent, just like consistently. That's just like, yeah, what like, he is. It's just. Like, I won't even say concerning about some of them. Just like, for example, I'm a Francisco Rodriguez guy sometimes. I like him, but I don't think he's going to get in. Um, Let's see who else. We've basically talked about it. We've literally talked about it, but on my sure. ballot. So sure. we're good on that. And I'm just like, again, I'm a bigger hall guy. Not necessarily big hall, mm-hmm. but I like having a bigger hall. I think there's more players that do deserve to be appreciated. And as Malachi said, because – in about, I'll say, 12 years, we're going to have to deal with the Altuve, George <laughs> Springers, all those players. Yeah, we will. Yeah. And like, like <laughs> Mark, you said, I think I think Beltran should be in, which by proxy now that I think that means I think Bobby Abreu should be in. Mm. So you know what, Bobby Abreu, you give my, let's see which one, you get my Alex Rodriguez vote. Okay. Yeah, he'll, he'll get my Alex Rodriguez. <laughs> I'll take him off the list. Sure. And then, like, yeah, it's just voters are weird, but also they're human, so I get it. People have their opinions, and people will do things with or without bias. None of us are perfect. Um, also, for record, I just want to see some of these people get in so we can stop talking about them on the ballot or see some of them dropped off, like Vizette with Omar Vizquel. Yeah. Please drop yeah. off the ballot. I hope yeah. the I hope the unreleased votes are very unkind to him. Yeah. I'm tired of this conversation. Unfortunately, him dropping off the ballot means that some veterans committee will probably just get him in anyway. But you yeah. know, at least I don't have to hear about it. One thing I notice year to year putting up the ballot is that, and I think I said it in the piece or in the comments that um, this year's crop of like guys who aren't going to make it, um, you know, the Brandon Phillipses or the Adrian Gonzalez's, uh, and probably aren't even going to survive one ballot. In fact, they're almost certainly not going to. That group, just war, just in terms of war, sorry, just in terms of war, 
much stronger than I want to say previous years, definitely much stronger than last year. You get guys who make a cutoff for a battle, sometimes without even a war of 20 in their career. And this year, there are a number of guys who are not even going to come close. They're not, they might not even get votes and they're pushing close to 50, which in my eyes is really sort of a cusp of, of really being a Hall of Famer. Like, like uh, David Wright is like right on the cusp for me because he's like, he's pretty much a, a, a 50 uh, war guy. But sorry, I just want to inject that. Um, uh, Joe, other names, guys you're rooting for, guys you want to see disappear like Dante, get them off the ballot. Uh, any drama for you? Definitely, I echo the sentiments about Viscal. This is an easy decision. I mean, even before the off-the-field stuff was really well-known to the public, like I would have felt fairly confident that he he just didn't he wasn't quite good enough during his major league career. I mean, yeah, baseball reference has him at 5.3 wins above average for his career. I mean, he's stayed around for a long time and accumulated a lot of hits, I guess, but... I mean, just focusing on the on the field stuff for for a moment, like, and that's just not a that's just not a very good number right there for a Hall of Famer. Um, and so there's that. Um, let's see. Another thought I had. Um, I was a little bit surprised by the discrepancy of um, Billy Wagner versus Francisco Rodriguez. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think that Wagner is more deserving, but not. At, not by as much as yeah, seventy percent difference. Yeah, yeah, that's um, huge. Yes, absolutely. And um, let's see the other thought, um, Bobby Abreu. Yeah, I, this was something I came across in Immaculate Grid a few weeks ago. Um, there was a Phillies thirty stolen bases in a single season square, and his name crossed my mind, but I didn't pick no him way, because I, yeah. didn't, I didn't think he got there. He got there four <laughs> times with the Phillies yeah. and once with the Angels which really surprised me. Um, so yeah, that, that really speaks to how well-rounded he was as a player. And I feel very strongly that he should get in. Yeah. I mean, we, we look at him, I mean, you know, at the very end of his career, he's sort of a, you know, he's a, he's a lot more lunky. So I was like, Oh yeah, that's, <laughs> that guy's stealing base. Even as Malik said, a foreign stolen base. I, I mean, I haven't committed any of these stats to memory. I definitely hadn't committed that. I'm like, wait a minute, 400 stolen bases for that guy. But Hey, um, you know, they're legit. Baseball reference doesn't lie. Um, uh, well, Malky, any other uh, thoughts on the ballot that, uh, you know, any any other annoyances until we uh, meet again in a year? I, I guess my, I, I don't know if it's a hot take or not, but I, very similar to how I felt about Scott Rowland is that I just can't wrap my head around Chase Utley as a Hall of Famer. You know, mm-hmm. he was very elite for three or four years, um, but a lot of his war total that everybody loves, especially with his five-year peak, comes from, again, defensive value. And was he a great defender? Yes. Am I willing to put a number on it that says, oh, okay. he was X percent better than David Wright, therefore he needs to be mm-hmm. in David Wright, just didn't do enough. Right. I'm not going to buy that. Utley mm-hmm. was something, you know, even even during uh, his peak, he was a you know, uh, 120, 125 uh, OPS for the most part. He had a few couple great MVP caliber seasons, but um, you know, I'm not going to vote for Tim Lincecum either. So uh, <laughs> you know, he had, he had more longevity than that, of course, mm-hmm. but he's very right. much in that class of, I, you know, I'm not going to be crazy mad if he gets in, I can mm-hmm. see the arguments. Do I love war enough to be like, of course he's a hall of famer. Now mm-hmm. I can't just really, that's my, uh, that's my vein on, on Okay. 
Yeah, All right. Uh, 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 okay. Speed round to wind us up. Then I'm going to go right back to Maliki. Uh, all right. On a on a on a scale of one to ten, I'm not really sure how I'm going to qualify this. So hang with me. Uh, how much do you lean on war when you are characterizing in your mind and your heart uh, a player? Does that make sense? When it comes to the Hall of Fame, or just in general? Eh, maybe in general, but I mean, if it's a big difference, I don't know. You can make a discrepancy. Um, may, maybe 40, 50% off, okay. off the head, maybe even right. a touch, a touch less. Uh, there's so much other context, you know, that okay. I think relying on that, acting like it's some kind of catch all, you know, it's a great, um, approximator of, you know, kind of putting a bunch of things into a big stew, but, uh, you know, okay. it's, it's, uh, you, you look at the individual pieces, there's just as there's a lot to learn there too. So, okay. um, not, not crazy heavily, I wouldn't say. Okay. All right, Dante. I mean, I'm a 50-50 guy with it. Like, it's not the only thing that matters. There's a lot you just have to take into consideration. Again, I am a character clause guy, so I try to think about that type of thing, too. Okay. Like, war is not the end-all, be-all to make it so, oh, these are the best players because they have the highest war. There are great players that had shorter peaks or don't have as much value in the war for whatever reason okay. that, you know, won't get the same respect that some people – do get and also counter stats matter. I I know that some people pretend that counter stats don't matter, mm-hmm. that they could be inflated this that, and the other, and these are pure stats instead of counter stats. Like, no, you use both. Like, all of this matters. Use it as a combination. Use the blend okay. to make it work and to make your case. Is somebody called Adrian Beltre an accumulator, and I'm like, what? He accumulated two hundred seasons <laughs> for ten years. Yeah, like, like is that what's accumulated the- for just seventy-seven hundred? Accumulated. That makes you one of the best players ever. Hit a baseball, you know, like, like <laughs> he's good. Adrian Beltre was not good. He was great. He is going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. I think we all figured and knew that when Adrian Beltre said he retired. You know, those 22% of voters on Southside Sox or, or the very scant few who are not voting for Adrian Beltre, like they just admit that they think that you should be able to touch anyone's head at any time. Let's, let's just break it down. That's what this is about. They don't like the fact that Adrian didn't want anybody touching his head. It's, it's just that simple. He's just not going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer because of that. All right, we got a five and a five. Uh, Joe, you know, break some deadlock. I'm going to break the deadlock. So break the deadlock for me. Or are you, uh, you know, a, a five war importance kind of guy? I'd give it a 6.5, I think. Okay. I, I'll, I'll, I'll be a li- slightly decisive on this one. It's, I think it's a great place to start the conversation at least. It's, uh, yeah, there is absolutely a lot more context and it's, yeah, it's certain anyone who is using war, um, and not really looking at you know what led to that and you know where their value came from and um, sort of um, like some of the other um, TWTW as some like to say <laughs> but, like then you're doing yourself a bit of a disservice there but but I, I do definitely think it's a good place to start the conversation I mean usually it's you heard it here first everybody Joe Rhesus. I'm going to just say takes equal measure of war and TWTW. Let's say he just admit, can you believe this? I'm getting him just 35 percent, 35 percent, just left and right. Every podcast at this point, I'm learning incredible new things about 
Uh, Joe. All right. Well, I won't specify because I've admitted I'm just a big dummy. So I put much more stock in it than any of you three do. That's all I'm going to say because I don't need to embarrass my, myself further among the analytical and metrics um, folks or non-folks. So, uh, all right. That's my thoughts on it. I won't give any more explanation than that. We've learned a lot about Joe, learned plenty about Dante, learned some about Malachi as well. And nobody agrees with me about Billy Wagner or war. I oh, man, I could, may, I might have to find, maybe I'll have to do an alternate Hall of Fame podcast next year. And then, you know, this one where, where you three are all welcome back, you know, to tell me I'm wrong about things. Cause I like hearing that. Uh, anyhow, we do have a very active voting at Southside Sox. A lot of votes already in, not sure how many more we'll get in these next uh, intervening, you know, whatever. Three, four, five days. Uh, midnight Sunday is when I cut off the end of voting. We will hopefully there won't be too much cusp, although right now it's looking sort of cuspy. Uh, although at this point, three players, maybe including Mark Burley, or maybe in addition to Mark Burley, uh, will be elected on the Southside Sox Hall of Fame. Really, I mean, listen, I'm I'm teasing everybody about Mark Burley being elected on Southside Sox, but what would you expect us to? We're we're the fan base that is going to support the guy. So, you know, as much as last year was embarrassing that Scott Rowland or whatever didn't get elected by uh, our voting uh, block on Southside Sox, and that does look a little weird when Mark Burley is the Hall of Famer, uh, I would rather have it be as long as he's on the ballot that we vote for him and get him in because, you know, if we're not going to kick up some dust about Mark Burley, clearly it's not – the other 29 fan bases are not listening and those old crusty jerk ass writers are not listening to us. So hope Mark survives for one more ballot. At least so we can talk about him another year and who knows, maybe we'll see his numbers go up. So get out there and vote. If you haven't like my three esteemed guests and myself, uh, make your thoughts known about the hall of fame. It takes a little time to do this. We do this every year. So it's fun to always have results. Promise the fun Hall of Fame is coming February 1st, maybe, or thereabouts. I don't know. We will do a Southside Sox, White Sox Hall of Fame again. We've taken a little time away from it, but it's time to come back with it. All sorts of weird old categories as well. Not just voting in your favorite White Sox players, but, you know, we'll do promotions. We'll do uniforms. I don't know. We'll figure out defensive plays. We'll figure out some stuff to throw on there so you can have fun with that. So it's not the only – so warm up. Get your number two pencils out. Vote now, so then you'll be, you know, you'll be ready to roll when the White Sox Hall of Fame comes around as well. Thank you, Maliki. Thank you, Dante. Thank you, Super Joe. Appreciate you accompanying me on this. Tell me all the different ways I'm wrong about my ballot. We again, you know, we'll we'll we're soaring around the sun one more time, and we'll all be back talking about this for the 2025. Oh Lord, 2025 Hall of Fame election in a year's time or so if we're all still here let's hope we are uh anyway thanks guys thanks everybody for listening reading watching go vote if you haven't already please do and we got another election coming up in a couple weeks